today on Ag News Daily. Across all of their fields, all of the things that are happening during this busy time of the year, where do I need to uh, you know, put my attention basically today? Listeners, June 13th, 2023, Tanner Delaney here, part of the Ag News Daily podcast, here to bring you some great headlines to start off with. I don't know, Delaney, I've got uh, a couple of them that might be a little off the beaten path today. How's news look like for you? Okay, well, I've got some pretty normal headlines here. I'll kick things off with the USDA Weekly Crop Progress Report, which was released, of course, yesterday afternoon. U.S. soybean planting is 96% complete as of Sunday, June 11th, and Tanner, it's likely not going to move ahead much more than that, as uh, that's pretty close to being done. But we are well ahead of the five-year average by 10 percentage points, so starting to see things getting buttoned up for this year. Corn was 93% emerged and soybeans 86% emerged. As far as crop condition ratings go, soybeans were rated 59% good to excellent, down three percentage points from the week prior. Winter wheat has headed 89%. Eight of the eight percent of the crop has been officially harvested, and conditions rated 38% good to excellent. Lastly, as we look at crop conditions for corn, nationally, 61% was rated good to excellent, also down three percentage points from the previous week. So all in all, pretty good report there, Tanner. Yeah, we're pretty much done planting, uh, is, is what that report is saying. There might be a few second crop soybeans left to go in. It looks like uh, most everything else is planted and almost everything else is emerged. So probably not a lot of news coming out of that sector here besides crop condition reporting going forward. We're still seeing our friends in Northeastern Texas and the Southern parts of Oklahoma, as well as now Western Arkansas see their severe weather move through again today. Hail now talking about being the size of ping pong balls and still those gusts of winds up to 60 miles per hour are forecasted for this morning. Clusters of strong and marginally severe weather will be spreading southeast through Oklahoma. Additional thunderstorms may develop further into the afternoon, but those will be less severe. Scattered thunderstorms are also possible in northern Indiana. Uh, Wind gusts in that area are 30 to 35 miles per hour, but most of the Corn Belt is going to remain dry over the next couple of days, Delaney. And I'm sure that will see that on next week's crop conditions report. As I know that there's a lot of areas or pockets, Tanner, that are in desperate need of some rain. But another country that's in desperate need of rain is Argentina. Of course, we saw last week on the WASD report, the USDA continued to cut Argentinian production. But according to the Rosario Grain Exchange, Argentina's main grain port is seeing some of the lowest number of trucks with soy and corn in at least 22 years after the record drought this past year. A historic drought has battered production in a number of areas across the country. And as far as ships, trucks, and other transportation coming into the ports and out of the ports, the Rosario Grain Exchange said in a report that around 280,000 trucks with soy and corn entered the port in March through the May time period, which is less than half of the same period of 2022 and 62% below the five-year average. The Rosario Grain Exchange estimates 22-23 soybean production at 21.5 million metric tons 
down 49% from the previous season, Tanner. So certainly a lot to report on there. And that, of course, the markets have traded, but have we cut production enough? Uh, is the big question right now. Yeah, that uh, will be interesting to see which sayings come to fruition as we monitor those. Bunky is looking at buying Viterra, a deal that would approximately be $18 billion in purchase price, would create a global agricultural giant. Viterra shareholders are set to receive about 65.6 million shares of Bunky stock, valued at approximately $6.2 billion. Another $2 billion in cash will be uh, transferred, and then Bungie will assume $9.8 billion of the Viterra debt. The grain and soft seed handling capacity will grow while it expands its uh, origination capabilities in key regions and crops where they don't already have a strong presence. The combination of Bungie and Viterra specifically accelerates the strategy of building fundamental purpose to connect farmers and consumers to deliver the essential food, feed, and fuel to where it needs to be in the world. The deal would create a scale that puts Bungie closer to the Archer Daniels Midland capacity and one of the nation's largest private companies, Cargill. They would fall into direct competition on a more scalable business to those two competitors rather than just participating in the same industry. The buyout is likely to put them in the crosshairs, though, of antitrust regulators. So this deal is all but finished yet, Delaney. The combination of the businesses would keep the Bungie name. Their headquarters would still remain in St. Louis. They would also have a headquarters in Rotterdam in the Netherlands to serve as their global location. The Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board and British Columbia Investment Management Company are looking to invest in this deal as part of that acquisition. The board is combined, or at least the intentions are, to combine eight Bungie directors and four representatives from Viterra. Uh, so we'll continue to watch to see if this moves forward. Based upon the news, Bungie stock declined 1.9% just as the markets are getting ready to open today. Well, Tanner, the renewable diesel industry officials are urging the EPA to increase biofuel targets for 23 through 2025 to avoid negatively affecting RINs for renewable identification number prices and renewable diesel producer margins. EPA's proposed RVOs are considered outdated by the industry as the diesel industry says they don't take into account the expected growth in renewable diesel production capacity. Current predictions suggest capacity alone will reach 4.1 billion gallons by the end of 2023, 5.5 billion by the end of 24, and almost 6 billion by the end of 25. The industry is warning that not adjusting the EPA proposal could endanger the growing market and low carbon fuel markets by devaluing advanced biofuels. So they've been urging and working with the EPA to make a decision here very quickly. But the uh, Office of Business, excuse me, Office of Management and, and Budget will be hearing both sides of the issue and presenting kind of their final recommendation here for what they expect to see by June 14th. So that's just tomorrow. EPA is expected to make its decision tomorrow, June 14th. And so we'll hopefully be able to report on that on the podcast, Tanner. 
Yeah, we will be able to uh, keep an eye closely on that. We've continued to watch Russia and Ukraine. Rescue workers in both regions are working overtime to search through the rubble for survivors. A deadly Russian missile strike hit the central city of Kryvyi. Wow, that's a tough one, Delaney. There's a K-R-Y-V-Y-I-R-I-H early yesterday. This has so far resulted in approximately 10 deaths and more to be discovered. Ukrainian forces reported intense clashes Monday along the borders of Donetsk and uh, other southern regions. Regions, the Russian accounts say that Kiev's forces are making gains on the battlefield. President Vladimir Putin, though, had a tour of Russian wounded soldiers yesterday, stated that the country needs them now more than ever, saying Russia is experiencing a difficult time. Ukraine's environmental minister says that the dam destruction is the largest catastrophe since Russian invasion, and it could potentially provide global food security issues. So we'll continue to hear more about what the ramifications of the dam destruction will be coming from the United Nations. But ultimately, it looks like battles have ramped up across the seas, and we will continue to watch and see if any large and major headlines come out of that. Well, Delaney, after that story, I've only got one more left. Well, I have one quick headline here related to the Russian-Ukraine Grain Corridor Initiative. And according to the United Nations Secretary, that he said on Monday that he's concerned Russia will officially quit the deal on July 17th, allowing a safe safety of wartime exports and fertilizers and grain to come out of the three major Ukrainian Black Sea ports. Moscow has been continuously threatening to walk away from the deal for basically the entire time that the deal has been brokered, Tanner. But the UN is saying that things are really escalating and getting worse to a point where this time they think Russia is actually serious about walking away. Huh. Yeah, it uh, it's always tough to gauge this level of seriousness. And that leads into maybe a not so serious last headline for me. But Pat Sajak is retiring from the Wheel of Fortune after 41 seasons. He is heading into retirement. He is 76 years old and will leave his four-decade run as the host. The 71st season, or I'm sorry, the 41st season will be his last. That season will begin this September. He, however, will stay on for three years as a consultant to the Wheel of Fortune. His on-camera role will no longer be the majority of his position where he will step back and assist whoever is announced as the next award, uh, host of this show, it'll be interesting to see what happens now, if the format will change or who will take over as now the speculation rises, Delaney. I have a feeling a couple of our listeners maybe watch Wheel of Fortune. Are you a Wheel of Fortune watcher? Um, I, I am not really. I was growing up, I would always watch it at my grandparents' house, but... I'm surprised that you said he was only 76. For some reason, I would have guessed he was older than that. Uh, that's funny. Almost mean, but that's funny. Well, uh, today we saw the Labor Department's report come out for the Consumer Price Index. Again, that's going to be a close gauge that the Fed is watching as they look at potentially moving rates again this week. But how did markets look like they're going to open this morning? 
Well, markets actually look still strong in the overnight. Could be because drier forecasts are ahead here for much of the Corn Belt. July corn up about seven cents in the overnight. Not quite settled yet before opening bell. Likely going to open somewhere around the 625 mark. December corn is up about eight cents in the overnight at 557 and a half. And as we look into the soybean pits, big moves here in the overnight. July adding about 21 and three quarters cents will open right around 1394. November soybeans up 17 cents, likely clocking in around the 12 12. 1226 number and July winter wheat down a penny and a half at 795. A quick refresher at where livestock markets closed yesterday. We saw a lot of movement across the board there as August live cattle added a dollar 35. We'll open at a buck 73.20. August feeder cattle up a nickel at 239.05 and lean hogs, especially in the August contract, got a big move to the upside up three dollars 42 and a half cents. Opening here this morning at 87.37 and a half. Dinner for today's Tech Tuesday conversation. We are chatting with Kevin Krieg of Intellinaire. Well, folks, for this week's Tech Tuesday interview, we are chatting today with Kevin Krieg, the Director of Business Development for Intellinaire. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Really excited to talk more about Intellinaire. And the role you guys play in the AI space. Yeah, thank you, and uh, and glad to be here. And I look forward to uh, sharing with you guys what we do through our product AgMRI. So, Kevin, before we dig into the meat and potatoes today, let's talk ten thousand high level view. What does Intellinair do? Yeah, so I mean, a ten thousand feet is a great way to to open this up, really. So we take a lot of remote imagery, whether that's through drones, airplanes, or satellites. And we analyze that data through our um, artificial intelligence using computer vision and machine learning to generate out crop intelligence insights. Um, so you can literally think of it that we are flying over all of these fields, capturing data and then generating back um, you know, alerts to issues that are happening or just helping the retailers and farmers manage their crop as it's developing throughout the year. That seems to be the future of agriculture is utilizing more technology and less boots on the ground. How far has that technology come and what's the accuracy like? Yeah, so so the technology has come a long ways where, I mean, we can identify, you know, stand issues, you know, with drones, you know, at the V1, V2 time for sure, airplanes shortly thereafter as well. So that's how far that's come. But I would say really kind of our focus has been is that, you know, really enhancing the boots on the ground as well. Uh, to be able to help them understand, okay, across all of their fields, all of the things that are happening during this busy time of the year, where do I need to, uh, you know, put my attention basically today, right? And as data is coming in daily, then it's like, where do I need to be able to go out and address that? So we can help them find those fields that are having the issues, or even more importantly, find the fields that are not, and then tailoring those boots on the ground to just those fields and just the areas where, that expertise is still needed to help address the issue throughout the year and help get that farmer a recommendation that they need to be able to, to get the crop to, to perform as best it can um, throughout the year. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of farmers are trying to shift to that mentality of how do I work a little smarter? And it sounds like you guys are pinpointing that to be able to target fields that are having maybe some issues and focusing your attention and energy on those as opposed to just doing it at a high level across all your acres. But Kevin, you mentioned that it's pulling in all this different data to give farmers different insight points. What are some of those different types of insight that they can look at and pinpoint when they're trying to figure out where do I spend my time and energy in the growing season this year? Yep. And great, great question. So really we look at it throughout the whole crop season. So, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through the whole year and kind of what we do as well. So we start out in the early season uh, with really looking for emergence type issues, things that are happening there from how well the plants are coming out of the ground. Is there any replant that is needed as well? We help identify those areas. We're also monitoring for weeds. Um, and so we're looking for where there are weeds within the fields. And then one of the more important analytics that we have as well there with weeds is around weed escapes. So when we have integrations with John Deere and Climate to bring in the farmers, you know, as applied uh, data regarding their herbicide applications, we can then notify them if there's areas of the fields where the, the herbicide did not work. So whether there's weed escapes that are happening there and maybe they need to go out and treat them with a different mode of action would be one of the analytics we do there. Um, so then now we're at the part of the season two where we start shifting uh, you know, more into the crop health side of things. So we're looking for areas of the field that are you know, maybe lagging behind their historical average that's been happening in that field, alerting to them to that. Um, so this year, for example, we're finding areas where, you know, there's some drought issues going on in other areas, plus um, some herbicide carryover uh, issues that are affecting the crop health. So those are all things that we can help point out. And then we can also start to help them understand, you know, where the crop is at from a nitrogen perspective. So where do I have uh, fields that are maybe trending, uh, uh, you know, higher than normal as well? And that do I need to hit them with an additional nitrogen application to really hit the yield goal this year? And then a little bit later in the year, we'll really get into the disease management side of stuff. Um, so through our airplane solution, we can detect the thermal anomalies within the crop and then get the early onset of disease detected to be able to help them understand you know, whether they need to do a fungicide application or maybe even a second fungicide application if they've done one earlier in the year and disease is starting to set in a little bit late. Um, so those are what our analytics are really intended to do is identify some of those things that are happening in the field and really then sort the fields into fields that are performing really good, maybe average or below average, and then giving them uh, the visibility to put a plan together to how to hit their yield goals throughout the year. And did I catch earlier that you refer to kind of this package of products as a crop MRI? Egg MRI is the name of the product. Um, and so that's really um, kind of the, the product name that we have is egg MRI. So it would be eggmri.com essentially as well as where you'd go to find out more on that. And that's something that any one of our listeners can utilize. That's not specifically through an agronomy partner. It's a tool that can be combined with existing services, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So we have, we go to market uh, through retailers that then use it uh, through to their end growers. We also have some farmer direct uh, services as well. And really, our our solution is you know focus a lot on corn and soybeans, but can be used on really any crop from a crop health perspective. 
and we have a core area in Illinois, Indiana, some in Iowa where we have the airplane, uh, and then all other uh, areas within North America are serviced by a high resolution satellite solution uh, that helps get us those insights early season. So Kevin, you mentioned earlier collecting drone footage and obviously satellite imagery and other data points. If a producer listening is interested in utilizing your platform, do they have to have their own drone or is that scouting piece part of the package that they'd be purchasing? Yeah, it's part of the package that they are purchasing is kind of what they, they need to be able to get answers on their farm so they can purchase then from us that, um, you know, stand count uh, assessment basically by drone. And then we provide the, the services to go out there and grab those images to be able then to do the analytics and deliver back into our Ag MRI platform uh, what those stand count results were. So as you guys are perfecting this service now, What's coming down the road? What do we see next for what's going to be available? Yeah, I would say there's just more and more insights. And I would say more and more of, um, you know, helping sift through all the different things that could be impacting that crop and give them the insight into what it is that specifically addressing or that they specifically need to address at this point in time. So just more insights uh, into the different things that could be impacting the crop and helping them understand that, you know, how's the weather having an impact on their crop? What are some of the other nutrient management things that they could do throughout the season in order to give that crop its best potential to, to get its yield goal for the year? So I'd say more insights on that, more collaborations with companies that have other areas of expertise on how those products are performing and how they can help at the farm level. Um, to be able to get all of that information and basically give you the best set of decision tools that you can have in order to understand, you know, which products will help you at this time and what's the outcome of those as the year unfolds. And I think my final question for you is just there's a lot of data tools and platforms out there in the marketplace to help growers make better informed decisions. What do you think sets Intellinera apart from some of those other tools that are in the marketplace? Yeah, I, I would say the one thing that, that really sets us apart is our, our resolution. So we really focus on, you know, covering the whole field, so fence line to fence line, covering every acre of that at a resolution that allows you to see those issues happening earlier in the season when you have an opportunity to be able to correct it yet this year. Um, so that's really the thing that, that sets us apart is being able to detect it at that critical stage so when you're out there with your herbicide applications you can add in the different products that you need to address those issues or you can be able to head off that disease before it has an impact on your on your crop as well um, so that's all done through the the great resolution that we have with the drones airplanes and satellites that's different than than any other company out there on the market today so as our listeners are now more curious than when we started and want to learn more about you guys, remind them again how they can find you and look up more on their own. Yep, www.eggmri.com would be the best place to go to be able to kind of see a little bit more about what we offer and be able to get in contact with us to, to learn more about how our products and help them on their farms. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kevin, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. What a great Tech Tuesday conversation, listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us again today. We will be back again tomorrow. But if you want to touch base with us in between times, 
hit our social media up, Delaney. We're having a lot of fun putting these together and thank our listeners for listening. But for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.